Hey, this is Rabbi Zev Bannett. You are listening to the Halacha Kabbalah Machshava Daily Podcast Series. Thanks so much for joining me. If you want more content like this, check out www.yesodblocks.com. We have a lot of other series going on there, and we add stuff every week. And also check out uh, a recent product that we put out on Amazon and iTunes, the Tikkun HaYesod album, which is using these Torah concepts, the integrated framework that is the Torah system that is the most sophisticated system on earth um, in order to deal with, per- correctly perceive, uh, effectively perceive, and properly respond to the issue of pornography, the dark side of the internet, how to actually deal with it without, as opposed to just saying that you're that it's just forbidden and that's it, as or or just kind of giving up on it, which seems to be the two extreme approaches in the world. Unfortunately, uh, there actually is a way to navigate through it, and that is the whole point of the Tikkun Hayasod album, so check that out on iTunes or on the Amazon store. Search Tikkun Hayasod or search Zev Bannett. Either way, you will find it there. It's $9.99, really not a lot of money, and uh, definitely I think I, I think it's very worthwhile uh, and very helpful in a world that unfortunately there's just not a lot of tools to deal with this problem. So today is Erev Shabbos, it's Friday, and so we're going to be doing uh, a little bit of Shabbos Halacha and building it out into the larger Shabbos framework that's underneath that, and the larger Torah framework. Um, this is also turning into a series on yesodblocks.com, which means that on Fridays we're going to be putting out these episodes as part of the daily podcast series, which is obviously free, but there's also going to be other uh, interspersing episodes um, that we're going to be adding during the week on this same topic, adding to the uh, Shabbos series in general. So check that out if you want more background and more big picture understanding of what Shabbos is and how to use your Shabbos in a more effective and powerful way. So in the last episode, we spent some time talking about how uh, the concept of Shabbos from Hashem's perspective, it does not mean that Hashem is just rested on the seventh day of creation. And we built out a whole picture of how we have been in the seventh phase of creation for quite some time. In fact, the seventh phase of creation can be thought of as encompassing all the other phases and is kind of like the the backdrop world of stability that, uh, or, or universe of stability with all of its rules and, and laws of nature and principles that Hashem built everything else on top of. And when we say that Hashem stopped uh, at the end of the sixth phase of creation, so what it means is that the chaotic process of moving things around and putting everything in their in, in its place kind of ended and then left a, an environment that was stable for human beings. And uh, that entire process did not take place over days. Uh, the word yom in that story clearly does not mean days. In fact, the word yom doesn't really mean days at all. Um, now, we have, uh, in he- the Hebrew language, we have words that we use colloquially to mean certain things. And those, the colloquial usage generally does have some kind of alignment with the actual meaning of the word. Um, but you might want to ask yourself, you know, for example, the plural of the word yom is the word yamim, which is also the same word as the word for oceans, which is kind of a random sameness. And you have to ask yourself why that would be the same word. Uh, the word yom evolves in its usage in the Chumash itself. And many, many words that show up in the beginning of the Chumash uh, as the Vilna Gaon writes that the earlier stages of the Chumash, there's a lot of primordial u- usages there. And then later on, uh, those words take on more and more colloquial meaning. And the colloquial meaning basically is like a subcategory of the real full meaning of the word. 
And so you'd want to ask yourself, you know, well, what does the word yom actually mean? In fact, the text tells us in the very beginning of Parshas Barachas that Hashem calls the or that he makes, the light that he creates in the beginning of the story, he calls that yom. And so you'd probably want to ask yourself, well, why would that be? You know, is there a relation between uh, light and day besides just the sun? Remember, the sun was not yet created at that point in the story, uh, potentially not yet created. And also, uh, you know, what does that have to do with oceans? And there's a lot of things to figure out with the word yom and the word yam. And so these are just some directions to explore. And I wanted to just throw them out, throw them out there for you to just realize that this, you know, to help, to help contextualize the story of a creation and to recognize that. Uh, the there's a an, an often cited issue of are these literally six days or something like that and uh, I don't think that was ever really on the table as a legitimate uh, perspective in in the within the Torah itself uh, according according the Torah according to itself of course you could teach that to children and that's fine and we teach many things to children in a more basic way that they can understand but then as we get older we're supposed to access the deeper layers and if we keep operating at the basic layer and then try and then we don't actually get to the more sophisticated levels of understanding then we start scratching our head and saying this doesn't really work very well and this whole series and all of these sode blocks is really about um, revealing uncovering discovering all of the, uh, the the layers of torah that are here that uh, not not just like on a halachic level but like all these conceptual layers that have been here the whole time and that uh, again just working working with the um or revealing the, the realization that the Torah is like this incredibly sophisticated system, and I, I've been an explorer of different systems for quite some time, and uh, that's, that includes physics, that includes the science world in general, um, the finance world, all, all kinds of different areas, and I've still not seen anything that is as sophisticated, rationally integrated, and powerfully descriptive of reality uh, than this system. So just some things to think about and to explore. Um, so... The reason why that's important information for this particular episode is because we're gonna we, we, we described a little bit in the previous episode so what it means that Hashem stops and we also described how there's this halacha that we're supposed to um, have kavod Shabbat that we're supposed to like create buy certain foods and have certain special things on Shabbos and now what we're gonna do is we're basically gonna to delineate the um, the other side of the coin of that the other category there's really two categories of halacha for Shabbos, there's things that you're supposed to do to create the Shabbos experience and things you're supposed to avoid doing to prevent the destruction of the Shabbos experience. And things that we're supposed to do, so we're going to explore halachos of that nature uh, also on and off, obviously. And then we're also going to explore a few examples of halacha of things we're not supposed to do. But I wanted to just lay out those categories so that way it's very clear these are two specific areas to explore. And they're slightly different in their nuance and sort of how they work, which makes sense, like in a relationship with somebody. So there are things that you do to build the relationship, and then there are things that you should avoid doing so as not to destroy or damage the 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 relationship. And relationships in general are uh, are delicate, and that's also true about the experience of Shabbos. And we have this we have this mitzvah of zachor et yom Shabbat. We have to we have to remember Shabbos. We have to basically. Um, try to the word zahor really means to ignite a memory of it so that way it cascades inside of our minds and we build it into something larger which is why the the um the positive mitzvot of shabbos the things that we're supposed to do to create the experience uh, are kind of built out of that that phrase that we're supposed to basically create shabbos because of this zahor yom shabbat concept uh, and in contrast we also have shamor yom shabbat which basically means to protect it. And you can think of that as like a delicate flower or something very delicate that you need to protect. 
um, from the elements, from the vicissitudes of life, from the currents of life, because it's basically this, it's supposed to be this, um, this protected space that is uh, a place where certain things need to be able to grow and, and flourish. And so, of course, we have to explore what those things are and exactly how that, that's the positive side again. But we have to make sure that we are building a, con a context that allows for that. Now, that's th these are nice analogies in terms of, you know, flowers and flourishing and gardens and protections. And But that's actually, you know, just, just the first level of understanding here because um, what we're going to explore now is, well, there's a whole list of things that you're not supposed to really do on Shabbos. And uh, that list is found in a Mishnah in Masechus Shabbos in the Talmud. And it lists there 39 different things. This is on page 73a, uh, Ayin Gimel, um, in Masechus Shabbos. And, uh, and it lists 39 different types of activities that you're not supposed to do. Things like cooking, uh, things like threshing, um, things like uh, um, crushing things or, or, or harvesting things. Uh, weaving, sewing, tearing things. There's a whole list of things. And we're going to be exploring those things more in depth as we go through the actual halachos in the Shulchan Aruch. And so this is kind of like an introduction to that area. And the, there's actually a way to categorize those things and to understand them more carefully exactly what the problem is with doing them. You know, people ask me sometimes, well, one of the malachos, one of the, the 39 things you're not supposed to do, 39 categories of things you're not supposed to do, uh, is kosher. You're not allowed to tie knots. So it's like, well, is that really a big deal? Why is tying knots a problem? And then people will say things like, we know we're not supposed to do work on Shabbos. And work means labor, things that are difficult to do. But you know what? Tying knots on Shabbos, tying knots in general is not very hard to do. Or what about sorting things, the, the malacha of borer? So that's very much not, it's not such a heavy lifting type of labor to actually engage in. Uh, if you're sorting some salad on your plate and you're you're pushing away the things you don't want to eat and you're le you're pull you know you're you're leaving behind the things you do want to eat, you just uh, did an act of borer, and that is a malacha. That is a, a one of the things you're not supposed to do. One of the thirty nine things categories of things. And so, what exactly is the problem with that? It's really not a very significant act on on its face. So let's explore exactly what that is. So first of all, um, the phrase that people usually use, that I've used myself, unfortunately, and I've heard many times, is that we can't do work on Shabbos. And that is not an accurate phrase. Uh, work is a very vague English term that has really no meaning besides the meaning that we assign to it colloquially. Uh, the, the, uh, the phrase, the objective phrase marker the Torah uses is this term called malacha. That is a term that comes up uh, in two contexts very, very prominently. One is that Hashem does malacha in order to uh, to make the world, and the formation of existence was a malacha. And the other place it shows up is in Parshas Truma and the story of the creation of the Mishkan, when Hashem basically um, uh, brings in all these artisans, these artists, these builders, creators, constructors, architects, to build the Mishkan, which is the portable, uh, the portable, house that Hashem kind of like channels through into the world uh, through like which is a whole discussion in itself which we'll eventually have to explore in other other arenas and other other series so that's what that, that, that's where that word shows up malacha now what exactly is a malacha so the word malacha is uh, you could if you look at actually at the word and it's the same as the word malach which is usually translated to mean a messenger so a malach is somebody who is uh, a representative of your will. In other words, you send a messenger somewhere with your authority to do something in your name. They're an extension of your will. They're an expression of your will. They embody your presence in some form uh, that is now allowing you to, to operate at a distance. 
And that is also what a malacha is, when Hashem basically creates the world. So we, we don't, like, the, the way the Torah maps out the relationship between creation and creator is not that Hashem is, you know, the absent clockmaker, some guy over there who just made some stuff over here, and now it's, uh, you know, it's separate from him. The Nefshachayim writes this extensively, um, just to describe this out. And he the, the, the map that we have is that Hashem actually kind of like... Um, he extends himself, or he kind of packages himself, like his own self, into these uh, finite forms that we call the universe and all of its layers and all of its um, myriad structures and substructures. So you could think of that as like if you imagine um, a whole world in your mind with people and you populate it and you know all these stories. And of course, we can't impart free will to those characters in our minds. But if I ask you, well, what is that world made out of? And you'd say, well, it's made out of the fabric of my thought. And of course, that's a term that we can use. It's an, an inherent analogy. Fabric, you know, it's not, we don't have fabric in our, in our thoughts, but whatever thoughts are, we can build things out of them in our minds. We can create these constructions that are almost like pseudo-realities. And so what we're saying is that Hashem basically, uh, Hashem's thoughts are are the ultimate, they're, the, they're the, the root thoughts that our thoughts are only analogies for, analogs for, and Hashem basically condenses his thoughts, uh, condenses this, whatever this energy is, into mass, into matter, which then operates as, as discrete things that are separate from each other. So Hashem's oneness is basically somehow formulated into uh, multiplicity and plurality and otherness. And the process of the, you know, the, uh, the unfolding of Hashem's self, or maybe the folding of Hashem's self into these containers, into these uh, discrete boxes, vessels. Uh, so that means that all of existence is still part of Hashem. It's an extension of Hashem's self, and it's still within Hashem in a certain way. And there's not really a way to go outside of Hashem. In fact, in halacha, what, the different halacha that we'll explore at some point, Said, there's a halacha that says you're not allowed to think that there are what's called two rishuyot, shtei rishuyot. There are two areas that there's kind of like, well, there's Hashem and there's things that are outside of Hashem. It's actually not something which is, a, the reason why you're not supposed to think that is because it's not reflective of reality, that there is nothing which is outside of Hashem's self, but there is a, within Hashem's self, there is some kind of a setup where Hashem's self is actually concretized into discrete form. And so the process of, of concretizing yourself into some sort of discrete form that is an expression of yourself, that is the definition of malacha. And each discrete form, each container that can, that concretizes some expression of yourself is a messenger of you. It's an extension of yourself now manifest uh, externally in the discrete world, in the, in the measurable, tangible world. And so that is actually simply a fancy way uh, or maybe we would say a more nuanced and clear way of describing what the definition of creativity is. Creativity is the application of your consciousness, of yourself, to the outside world in a way that reorganizes the outside world. And that reorganization, you bring order to the outside world in some new form, and that new form is now an expression of your own conscious will in the world. And so we have this miniature analog, analog version of Hashem's own creativity, creative path. That's exactly why the word malacha is used in the process of Hashem creating the world, because it's basically a download of Hashem's self into these discrete forms. And then we also have the creativity in the story of the Mishkan, in which the people engage in malacha in order to actually create, to bring order to, you know, the, the, let's say there's a forest full of trees, 
And when we apply our consciousness to bring order to that, we can actually reorganize the trees and construct an entirely new entity out of it. We can construct book, bookshelves or, or buildings, houses. You can construct anything. And the, the world is full of raw material. And we are able to add to that and actually reconstruct it and reorganize it uh, by applying consciousness, our conscious will, to it. And then the, the product of that is an expression of our own conscious will. That is the definition of malasai. In fact, that's what's called malachas machsheves, which is the, the true... Uh, prohibited malacha. The malacha we're not supposed to be doing on Shabbos, uh, according to the Torah, is malachas machsheves, where you basically apply your premeditated thought and will and consciousness to the raw materials of the world to create a change that is a that is a qualitative change in the world. And so there's 39 different different uh, types of things that you could do in that way. And so. Uh, but under, so and just to just to sort of spell that out a little further, those thirty nine things, each one of them creates an actual qualitative change, and we're going to be exploring them somewhat in depth as we go through these different halachos of Shabbos on Arab Shabbos and other parts of the series, and then sort of see how that is actually reflected in these halachos constantly. Now the question, of course, is well, what's the problem with doing malachas machshavas? Why do we need to stop doing it? Why is it like Hashem? Hashem has this whole aspect of existence that is him um, per, uh, essentially stopping himself from continuing to engage in Malachas Machshavah. Hashem, Hashem is not changing anything else now. There are these, the, the, the world of stability, the seventh phase is these consistently uh, uh, embedded rules and laws in existence. And Hashem is not really adding more to the system in terms of, of, Malach, of actually, you know, repackaging himself in endlessly new ways. In other words, everything sort of follows the system as it is right now there is there there are new things created there's creatures that are born and but they all follow the same rules as creatures that have been here before so in this phase what's called the olam hazeh phase so there's nothing new really going on and the seventh phase is kind of like it's ubiquitous it's just present and so you know why why so we just we, we the question we asked was why is Hashem doing that and the answer that we pr- began to provide was that it allows for a stable environment for fragments of Hashem's consciousness to now manifest and discover themselves so you can think of it as the the point of this place this is the definition of what's called avodat Hashem uh, serving Hashem the point of this place is for these fragments of Hashem's consciousness which is what human beings are to manifest and express the capacity of Hashem to evolve, discover, awaken, grow, change. Um, and that's essentially why the characterization of this environment is the idea of free will, which is that there's there's room to choose, and that way we actually have the capacity to either become or not become. And Hashem basically stops uh, and leaves a stable environment for us to actually now explore and become on our own. That's exactly what the Medrash says. Uh, that, that Hashem left things here for us to build and complete, that we can actually employ our own malachas machshavas to become more and to create more in the world. Now, the only issue is, well, you know, why, why do we actually have to have this special mitzvah to actually do this stopping? Well, as we've been uh, articulating in the rest of the series, there's this distortion embedded in the system from the Eitz Adas Tovara, which means that we have a tendency to get attached to certain perspectives or to develop affinities based on preference for certain things, and that we then we use those per- preferences to uh, perceive reality, and we evaluate reality through the lens of those particular preferences instead of basically being locked into what is measurable, what is real, what is true, and that's a very large array of information. We tend to simplify things and just attach ourselves to ideas that we feel comfortable with 
or that we're attracted to for personal reasons as opposed to ideas that uh, that are actually fully formed in all their sides. People who are, for example, brought up in an environment that's very restrictive are often very attracted to liberal ideas because they feel this sense of, oh, that's something which I, which I, which I is, is going to balance me out, as opposed to recognizing the validity of restrictive ideas and liberal ideas and how both of those things need to be employed together in a balanced way, we tend to gravitate towards ideas that are more pref preferred based on our own personal makeup at a particular time, which causes an enormous amount of distortion and also erratic behavior over decades. In other words, maybe not on a day-to-day, -day, but over people's lives. I mean, the amount of, of, of back and forth is, is really astonishing. So the, uh, the point of, the, of, the, of, the, of this mitzvah of Shabbos as, as a particular example of how to deal with the distortion capacity of the Das is that we actually have this tendency to over-identify ourselves with our creative power. Think about it. When you get into a creative situation where you're doing something that you enjoy and you're creating, you're bringing order to existence in some form. So by the application of your consciousness and your, your will and your thinking, so it's very easy to begin to get deeply immersed in that. And then it can actually, it's almost like you can, you can get too pulled into that particular creative project and then you don't see as easily the rest of your life. This could be described as an example. The rat race is an example of that, where we just get consumed locally by something that we're involved in, where we feel actualized. We feel like we're being properly valued or becoming who we need to be. We feel so alive because we're creatively expressing ourselves that we even start to ignore other ways that we are part of the world, other ways that we're part of relationships in our lives, other creativity that we need to do in addition to this one thing that we're involved in. And so we, we have a hard time not getting deeply embedded in our creative capacity and then over-identifying ourselves as our creative capacity. That's uh, that's exactly what happens in the story of the Garden of Eden when after they eat from the tree, you'll notice that Adam, that originally the man and woman were called Ish Isha, which was all about their completing each other as, on the level of the self. Ish and Isha were two parts of the same whole. But then afterwards, Ish calls Isha Chava. Um, he calls her that because she is Aim Kol Chai. She is the mother of all people. Uh, now he's looking at her suddenly through the lens of her ability to generate new people, and it's a completely different way of perceiving her. Before she was just the other half of himself, and then he switched over to seeing her as the as this functional being who can create more and more and more people. A very different uh, take on who she is, and so that's the shift that happens there. And it's very easy for us to get involved in our identity of ourselves as our career or as other creative things we do. You know, uh, sitting on the board of something, or you know, running a sisterhood, or who knows what. And uh, the idea here is that we have one day a week where we basically pull back from all those malachos, from, from um, packaging ourselves in some form that then goes out into the world, to remember that we are actually beyond and above that. We are not, instead of being so pulled into the system of existence and its creativity capacity, that we identify ourselves as that, we pull back to remember that we are actually not from the system. We are above this system. We are intangible, immortal beings that are actually linked to the intangible, immortal source of all reality. And we are, we have one foot in that world that is beyond. And it's basically why Shabbos is all about kind of trying to live in the moment. Because when you're, the problem is when you, when you are pulled into every situation in the world in an intense way, then the world's rules start to dominate. And they start to define how you think about yourself. And you are none of those things. You are not your body. You are not, you are not really part of the world. We are aliens in this world in a certain way because we are beyond it. And our body is from here and we are from there. And so this this this, uh, this capacity to get deeply immersed in the body and its capa and its and its and its power 
is very, very useful. But it also, because of the Yitzhadas, it can go too far very easily. And so these malachos are not about work. They are about bringing order to a universe that is that tends towards entropy, that tends towards uh, disorganization. And then and the process of doing that in its simplest form, of course, you know, tying a knot is not like, doesn't feel like it's the most creative act you could ever do, but it actually is a very creative act. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, to give an example, there are people who have the ability to tie knots in their mouths. Magicians do this sometimes. It's not easy to do that. And manipulating your fingers to manipulate the world in order to make changes happen that are significant, as much as if you obviously if you make a whole uh, you know you build a whole jungle gym out of knotted rope, that's obviously much more creative. But the idea here is that there's a whole um, range of acts, and there is basically a threshold as to what is called making a change that is um, relatively permanent and qualitative in the world, and that is what the basic. Uh, 39 categories are about. And then there's, there's obviously much more extensive versions of them where you build an entire building, but there's also very, very small forms where you now broke the threshold and entered into the realm of that kind of bringing order to the chaos of existence, to the disorganiza- disorganization and tendency towards disorganization in existence. So that's the definition of malacha, and malachas machsheves, and we're going to see applications that so don't feel like it's, you know, it's not over. We're going to be exploring actual examples of that as we go through the halacha and the shulchan aruch, and you'll get more of an idea of actually how that plays out in the real situations. That's why you know I mentioned examples of borer and kosher, um, sorting things out, tying knots, because they're the ones that are easy to see how it's like, well, that's not really work, um, but it is malacha, and it is significant malacha, and we're going to see how that's true, especially by borer. It's, uh, it's funny how people often ask about borer. It's actually one of the most powerful malachos. I mean, the human capacity to apply consciousness to actually sort things into categories is a pure conceptual approach, a pure conceptual tool. That's literally the definition of malacha. Um, you might not feel very powerfully creative when you're organizing things in that way. Uh, I don't know how different people like to organize different things different ways, but uh, uh, if you if you can relate to the idea of that at all, if you ever if you ever organized something that was messy, cleaned your room, and you felt a little bit of satisfaction that you brought order to disorganization, that is what we are talking about here. So, okay, we're going to stop with that. We're going to approach more examples of this as we go through the halachos in the next episodes. Um, yes, hope you enjoyed that, and thanks so much for joining and for listening. And again, check out yoursoulblocks.com and Tikkun on iTunes and Amazon, and looking forward to having you join me uh, for the next episodes.